Hello everyone, my name is Jacob Emerson with Becker's Healthcare. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. We're thrilled today to be joined by Eric Parmenter, who's the Vice President of Sales, Hospitals, and Health Systems at Quantum Health, who's going to be discussing strategies to improve health system financial performance by working with employers. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, happy to be here. Fantastic, well with that, let's dive straight into our discussion. As Vice President of Hospital and Health Systems for Quantum Health, Eric, you devote a lot of your time to listening as health system leaders and executives talk about their businesses. So what are you hearing that are the biggest challenges that they're facing today? I I see really two big challenges that run as themes for most hospital systems right now, and they're very interconnected. Uh, The first one is financial, and the other has to do with workforce and human capital. On the financial side, the majority are confronting serious difficulties. The pandemic, while largely behind us, but not over, has contributed to a significant decline in revenues, while at the same time looking at increased expenses for everything from supplies to salaries. And this is really having a dramatic impact. In fact, a recent study conducted by the American Hospital Association projects that between 53 and 68% of hospitals will end this year with negative margins. So that's the majority of hospitals. Wow. So some really stark numbers there, but certainly no surprise to those within the industry. And I know through our most recent reporting, we found that 78% of hospitals as of November say that their relationships with payers are getting worse amid this financial environment. Eric, let's switch topics, though. I want to keep talking about finances, but you mentioned another major challenge, and that's the workforce issue right now. Every company, every industry is facing this challenge. So talk to us a little bit about what's happening in healthcare, and are there strategies that are being used that are working? Well, you're certainly correct in that workforce challenges are not unique to healthcare. I think they're across the board. If you talk to CEOs in many industries, they'll talk about talent Uh, talent shortages, finding the right talent, keeping the right talent, keeping them engaged as a very top concern. But I think when you look at healthcare provider systems, it's an even bigger concern. Uh, Many hospitals are struggling as never before to recruit, reward, and retain and support their frontline clinicians and staff. According to a recent ACHA survey, Staffing shortages were cited as the number one issue for hospital CEOs for the first time in 17 years. And that's not to say they weren't in the top five over the past 17 years, but they're now the number one issue. And hospitals are pursuing multiple strategies. Uh, I was at the Becker Hospital uh, CEO CFO conference last week in Chicago. We heard this over and over again from the speakers many of whom were CEOs and CFOs of hospitals. And they, we, t- we learned about many different strategies that hospitals are pursuing. And this includes raising pay, uh, improving benefits, both in terms of depth as well as breadth, uh, addressing social determinants of health, such as housing and food, as well as partnering with nursing schools and, and medical schools to create more of a direct pipeline for talent. And just to peel back that social determinants piece a little bit, we've been talking about that for a number of years with respect to patients and how social determinants are really critical for patient outcomes. But now we're starting to talk about it in terms of employees. 
that same survey that I referenced uh, of U.S. hospitals I cited earlier found that labor costs are projected to increase by $86 billion in this industry this year over last year. So much needed investments to solve this workforce challenge are, are prominent. And uh, it really is challenging the profitability or in the case of not-for-profit health systems, just the viability uh, of, of health systems to meet patient demand. And then last and certainly not least, despite all the added investment in people uh, that we've seen in the past year or more, one in five clinicians are not leaving to go to work for another hospital or health system, but they're actually leaving the profession. And the number one reason for that is burnout. So it's very challenging uh, right now to be in healthcare. Oh, absolutely. And that's such an interesting statistic. You pointed out billion dollars in higher labor costs this year. It's fascinating. And like you said, Eric, at the beginning of this, it's, it's intrinsically linked with the financial challenges right now. So talk to us a little bit about that. Again, we're seeing hospital leaders come up with lots of strategies to address this challenge right now, but the quarterly earnings reports are not looking too great, at least the most recent ones. So on the revenue side of the equation, what are, what are the most recent strategies you're hearing? Well, first you referenced uh, a statistic that uh, there are difficulties between payers and provider systems right now. And while that's not new, providers can't just pass on their increased costs to the payers because they enter into these multi-year contracts, uh, their negotiated rates, and that's becoming a real challenge for health systems to pass on their increased costs. They do need to pay their employees more. They do have higher uh, operating expenses, but the payers aren't going to agree to a full-on reimbursement of those increased costs because that means then the payer has to pass on higher premiums and claim charges to their clients who are employers by and large. So other strategies that are emerging are, while not new, more direct contracting between provider systems and employers. This tends to cut out the middleman or at least soften the degree to which the middleman is involved and reduce the services of the middleman, meaning payers. And by capturing a larger share of an employer's claim pie, uh, so market share, not from a city perspective, but from a employer perspective, and really being willing to work more directly with these employers. And again, while that's not a new strategy per se or entering into narrow network products and centers of excellence and on-site clinics and other value-based direct care services, they're not new. They've been around for a while, but they haven't uh, received a lot of traction. And I think now they're being looked to as how can we increase these strategies to get more direct revenue coming in the door? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And I know when I've spoken with payer executives, with CEOs, they say the same thing. How do we improve these relations, value-based care and direct contracting with one another and partnerships? If we're speaking about going around payers, though, Eric, what would you say are, are the key concepts for health systems being successful here in, in selling their services directly to employers? Well, there's a number of leading health systems that are doing this now. Um, some that come to mind are Mount Sinai. Uh, in the New York area, Cleveland Clinic, uh, Vanderbilt in Tennessee, Mayo Clinic up in Minnesota and other places, uh, Providence out on the West Coast, Intermountain, UPMC. 
So there are a number of health systems that have for, for years really built very successful direct to employer strategies. But a couple of success factors come to mind. First, health systems might be incredibly skilled at providing clinical services. However, they might struggle selling the value of those services in ways that will resonate with human resource and benefits professionals, and not to mention their benefit consultants and brokers who largely advise them on strategies. And there's been an explosion in specialty healthcare point solutions in the marketplace. I think over a thousand different digital health companies have emerged in the last decade. And that has created a lot of confusion and disruption uh, and disintermediation between health systems and, uh, and payers. And certainly providers are able to step in and say, look, we can have a direct relationship with you. We can kind of eliminate the noise but if the health systems don't know about how to go about doing that, how to put it all together, it takes quite a bit of understanding of the employer's strategies to really understand how to put all of this together in order to earn the kind of return on investment that employers are looking for. Um, another key element is that you know patient experience is at the center of this. And in the case of employers, you're talking about employee experience when they become a patient. And so really having a direct relationship in such a way that the patient experience is improved and that it's simplified, that it doesn't create more confusion. Um, my organization, Quantum Health, um, is having quite a few strategic conversations with health systems around the country, uh, helping them to simplify the equation, enhance the patient member experience, help the prospective customer uh, develop the understanding of how to work directly with uh, health systems in order to improve the navigation and support that employees need in order to take advantage of these kinds of direct arrangements. Interesting. And it really sounds like selling the value of what these systems are offering and then making sure that the employer understands what that value is. Any other non-traditional revenue strategies you're seeing health systems pursue, Eric? Well, again, not new, but Medicare Advantage is another area that I see more mm -hmm. hospitals uh, taking a close look at. You know, there are over 28 million Americans with MA plans, as we say. Um, but the leaders in MA are health plans uh, themselves, the insurance carriers. This includes, you know, United Healthcare with 8 million members, followed by Humana with 5 million, Aetna with 3 million and then Anthem, Centene, Cigna, Molina, and others. So really the insurance payers have taken the lead on Medicare Advantage, but this has been a highly successful program between government and private industry where Medicare is benefiting from these plans, uh, the sellers of the plans are benefiting and the health systems are as well, not to mention the members because the members are getting uh, you know, zero deductibles, zero premiums, and a higher level of service in the MA plans that are being run very well. Uh, a new survey from Lumeris found that 27% of major U.S. health system executives intend to launch a Medicare Advantage plan in the next four years. So if you think about it, 28 million Americans in MA plans out of what, 400 million Americans total, and, uh, you know, obviously a smaller percentage of those eligible for Medicare. There's a lot of room for growth here. 
And so hospitals are really looking at this as a new growth opportunity. Uh, again, on the revenue side, uh, taking advantage of some of their clinical services. Um, but here again, just on the employer direct side, uh, hospitals and health systems don't necessarily understand how to sell, how to enroll, how to provide customer support. So it's more than just the clinical side that health systems need to succeed in, in MA. Uh, they really need to understand the whole equation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting that we're seeing hospital systems get into this. I mean, it's obvious why, why they're off, why Medicare Advantage is booming right now. I believe we've got just about 4,000 individual plans available for this current enrollment period. So more than ever before. Um, so like you said, we're seeing everybody get into this program. Eric, let's talk about what hospitals, how they're tackling workforce retention and satisfaction. I mean, besides investments in pay and benefits, like we mentioned, what are you seeing leaders consider in terms of new or different strategies that can really make sure that employees want to stay? It's a great question. And this really taps into another area that I'm involved with in, in my role at Quantum Health, that first area forming partnerships between health systems and, and uh, employers. But the next area is really serving the health systems as employers themselves. Uh, you know, healthcare is one of the major employers in the United States. And just like our clients who are not health systems, their employees don't understand benefits. They're confused. They don't understand their healthcare journey and where to go next and how to figure out complicated things like EOBs uh, and, and various different plan designs. And so we support health systems as employers uh, as they're thinking about their workforce strategies, you know, how can we provide more of a concierge white glove support system to the workforce so that they can stay connected to mental health resources, as an example, to help with their stress, uh, to get help with childcare, to understand how to navigate the complicated health system when they themselves are going through a healthcare journey. And really by providing exceptional employee care, uh, that helps these clinicians feel cared for by their organizations. And it helps to, to relieve some of that burnout, some of that stress. And I think uh, anything we can do, even if it's just an incremental improvement uh, to lower the, the burnout level and the stress level on the part of the clinicians in particular um, is a really important thing. And so, you know, providing proactive benefits education, claims advocacy, care coordination services helps free up the busy clinicians to stay productive and focused on serving patients. And to do so with a single point of contact where the employee just reaches for their ID card, makes that phone call and, and engages directly with a care coordinator to help them connect to those valuable EAP resources, other mental health resources, et cetera, uh, really does make a, a big difference. And we've seen that now over uh, 20 different health system clients and over 400,000 members that we support every day. And not to make this about us, of course, but I think it's an important consideration that hospitals and health systems are looking for cost-effective ways to provide more hands-on, meaningful support to their employees just to provide another outlet uh, for them to get the kind of help they need and relieve some of the issues that are uh, causing them to say, hey, enough, I'm moving on down the road. 
Sure, sure. And it really echoes, Eric, what you were just talking about earlier uh, and what we heard earlier uh, during our CEO and CFO conference earlier this year. Uh, we, we asked CEOs this very same question. What are the better benefits that you're offering? And it really did come down to just seeing their employees as people, as those that have families beyond just their roles as clinicians. So so, so interesting to hear you say that. Any Any final closing thoughts, Eric, you'd like to share with our listeners before we sign off today? Well, just a couple. I, I think this is a opportunity moment for healthcare. We talked about the challenges, right? We talked about the workforce struggles, the financial struggles, and those are real. But it's also an opportunity for some systemic issues to be addressed that really um, have needed to be addressed for a long time. Frankly, nurse pay is too low. Uh, but guess what? Um, if you're paying a lot of travel nurses, uh, a very significant rate, much higher than nurse hourly and salary rates, then um, it kind of shines some light on the fact that we do need to address uh, compensation. But it's not just about compensation. Uh, hospitals also need to think more holistically about their benefits. It's not just providing check the box, health, medical, dental, vision, a retirement plan and pay time off, those are important, but how can we support the families with mental and behavioral health care resources, childcare, even housing? Some health systems are building apartment buildings next to their hospitals to provide subsidized affordable housing to their workforce. That's a benefit you didn't see uh, over the last 25 years. So health systems will overcome this challenge as they have many other challenges, certainly the pandemic itself. Uh, patient safety, I mean, clinician safety where patients and family members are becoming uh, sometimes angry and agitated uh, is another big issue that hospitals face. And I think the more that health systems take this holistic approach of we will protect our employees against violence in the workplace, we'll focus on diversity and inclusion initiatives, to make this a fair, equitable, just place to work. We'll expand benefits, we'll expand pay. Obviously, we've got to find more revenue sources to make all this happen, but there are opportunities for that as well. So I really think um, this is an opportune time for health systems. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you joining me today, Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it and have a great day. I'd also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Quantum Health. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckerspodcasts.com.